On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everybody. I'm Angelique Luna, and I'm here with my co-host, heart, uh, husband, partner in crime, and... You were going to say heartthrob. Heartthrob, I yes, I know. I know. I'm going back to the 80s, and I've been stuck on the 80s with the whole... Uh, happy sci-fi series and ruining the 80s for us so well it, it doesn't help that our favorite diner is called the breakfast club which actually has a poster of the breakfast club up so yeah we gotta love those 80s <laughs> yes so definitely well <laughs> you didn't even say john c lunar or anything you just kind of like no you didn't you, you didn't they don't know me okay no they don't know you there so well, we got a lot going on there, so let's start with our guest because we're finally going on the woo-woo side of talking about spirituality, sacred, and sex with Miss Elisa Carr. It's an MA. She's the woman behind Stella Muse. Known as the pioneer of the Yoni Heart Mind Power, she mentors, counsel, and advises your journey of awakening from within through sacred guidance, sacred sexuality, spirituality, and soul. When unwavering presence, fierce dedication, and spirited insight, she guides inspirational souls on a purpose-driven mission away from fear and illusion and into courageous love and mental clarity, harmonizing the physical body, emotions, and heart with the mind, guiding deeper into knowing thyself as a soul, part of the entire cosmic fabric of consciousness, she works as a light bearer in the darkness, illuminating the way for you to live life authentically as your most unique self, aligned and here to serve the world with your skills, gifts, and talents from a place of truth, love, wisdom, and beauty. Welcome to the show, Elise. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much, Angelique. That was a lovely introduction. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you. Very cool. We've got a husband and wife team. I love that. So thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to dive into all the topics we're going to explore today. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially with a resume like that. I'm like, woo, now we're getting into the fun stuff because I always <laughs> preach about mind, body, and spirit. And we have talked about mind and body. But now today, technically, we talk about the spirit side of sexuality and being authentic to yourself. That's great. Most definitely. Yeah, to me, they're all connected. We can't really have one without the other if we want to be sacred. Yeah, and so how did you start your journey all together with the, you know, being a Tantra practitioner, Reiki master, holistic life health coach? It's been a really interesting journey. I must admit, it was not the world I started in. I actually was an international model and I did foreign correspondent journalism and neither of those were really nourishing me where I wanted to be nourished, which was my heart, my mind, how I wanted to be and, and beyond that, whether you want to call that soul or spirit or a connection like greater. I realized after one international stint, actually, when I came home from modeling in Asia at this time, that 
my body was really disconnected and I'd only been back in Australia a few days and I ended up being hospitalized. I had a cyst on my ovary that ruptured and my heart flatlined four times, which to me was kind of strange because while I was modeling, I wasn't into the sex, drugs, rock and roll. I wasn't partying hard. I was working hard, but my emotional self was really neglected. My, my body was worked so hard. It was just the point of exhaustion. So I think I was physically exhausted, emotionally disconnected and exhausted in a sense and probably starved from all my loved ones being on the other side of the world. And all these kind of factors definitely contributed to my body being put in that state and, and my heart eventually stopping. Interestingly enough, it started again on its own each time and my cardiologist said I'm disgustingly healthy, so yay for a great heart. <laughs> But it was a thanks. It's doing well still. But, you know, it's a massive wake up call for me to reassess my life. And what happened from there is that I had to kind of struggle to, you know, walk again, wash my own hair again, make my own bed. And I wasn't exactly going to be on the catwalk for Fashion Week anytime soon. I wasn't going to be getting a, a real job, we say in inverted commas, with my degree because I'd already finished a degree in public relations and journalism at that time. And my partner soon left me. So, Everything I believed I was, you know, a journalist, a model, a girlfriend, all these titles were taken away from me. And I was kind of more naked and bare and stripped back than I'd ever been in my life. And I was 22 at the time. So this is over a decade ago now. And I had to come, you know, face to face with what I really want, who I really am, what I meant to do in the world. And it was at this crossroads back then that I decided first to go do my master's in communications and cultural politics and women's studies. And and that was kind of fueling my intellectual side. And it was doing the women's studies when I started to understand what feminism is and the lack of equality in the world and so many facets to, you know, understanding the sexes, understanding culture, understanding how we connect and how we work together and how much work needs to be done. It kind of fueled me, I guess, to want more. And I decided soon after that to pack my bags up, move to Paris. And while I was modeling still, I, I started actually writing a book. And I only started writing this book because my auntie gave me a suggestion. This is kind of before the time of Facebook and Instagram and all that, right? So the way we'd connect while I was modeling overseas was really epic emails about what's going on, what the world's like, where I am, what I'm experiencing. And my auntie said, suggested I should write a fab book with my emails and so I took on her I guess wisdom and and started doing that and being in Paris I was once again isolated from loved ones and healing from heartbreak and getting myself back on track but I was actually living for me I wasn't trying to fit a mold of model or girlfriend I was kind of sussing out foreign correspondent journalism work and realizing this still doesn't fit either so the book became my savior. I had a beautiful nest egg, I'd say, from my modeling jobs. So I was kind of able to live off that, write my book, immerse in, I guess, this character that I created. Her name's Celine. The book's called Runaway. And, and she was kind of like, you know, a version of me. And as she was finding her way, I was healing. And that was part of my savior. And eventually, after a few years, I came back to Australia. And, and the book, for the record, is still not published yet. I'm now seeking publication. But between then and now, in these last several years, I then was hungry for more. And that's when I went and studied Tantra and became certified in that. I finished my Reiki and became a Reiki master. I became a certified coach. I developed Stella Muse. And, and now all these years later, I, I have Stella Muse, a platform to kind of bring everything together because there's no point having five or 10 or 15 pieces of paper if you can't actually be of service. And that's what I was hungry for most is to actually be able to 
do what I believe in and for it to be able to assist other people. And finally, everything I've done in my life now has a purpose and I get to be of service by bringing it all together and still amused from the healing side of things to the tantra to offering sacred guidance, which is, as I call it, like psychology for the soul because it amalgamates clearing through the physical body, clearing through the issues in the emotional body, clearing through things in the mind or the mental and then getting to that point of, of consciousness, of soul, of connection, of, of our ultimate truth really, why we're really here, what we should be doing, who we really are. So that's kind of a roundabout way I suppose of how I got to where I am now. Wow, that that is a mouthful of a journey all within like 10 years? Interesting. Yeah, well, just over. It, it sounds like that the tragic event when you came back and ended up in the hospital and, and, and all that, that kind of suffering is what made the U-turn in your life and mm-hmm. brought you to where you are now. Absolutely. It's funny, you know, at the time, I'd never been in so much physical pain, emotional pain, mental disconnect, so lost. It's like the dark night of the soul. It was that. I was in complete darkness. And I find, you know, especially now working with more clients, many people reach a crossroads in their life. That's something that completely changed them. If they're open, we've got to be open to evolving and growth. And sometimes it feels like a slap in the face, but our soul's ready. Sometimes we actually go for it. I didn't think I was ready. I really wanted to continue the modeling circuit. I knew it wasn't enough for me, but there was this pull to the glamour, which is an illusion, of course, but I had a pull to it nonetheless. I loved the idea of creating beauty, working with a team, whether it's a photo shoot or a fashion show. But I know in my heart of hearts, in my mind, in my soul, it wasn't right. And I had to have a bit of a push, I think, to take me off the wrong path and break me down before I got onto the right path. And I see this a lot with people, whatever it is, whether it's a massive career change when they just know they can't be doing this corporate job anymore because it's soul crushing, whether it's the fact that they're now ready to have a child and that's going to completely change their life, whether it's getting through a physical illness. There are so many ways that we can all experience such a big shift and it's up to us if we're going to be open to riding the wave and seeing the beauty in it eventually or if we get kind of stuck in the darkness and victimhood and feeling sorry for ourselves and, and wallowing in that. It's, it's a fine line. It's very tricky because we have to have that, you know, that loving kindness and compassion for ourselves because when you are in the thick of that physical or emotional or mental upheaval, it can be very dark. It can be very lonely. We might not know who to reach out to or even think there's anyone at all. But we have to remind ourselves that there are people we can reach out to, that there is you know, a crack of light in the darkness. We just have to be open to it. Yes, definitely. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast because we had so many different resources and even the people we've chatted with, they're like, if it wasn't for you, we haven't learned about X, Y, Z, or, you know, we've learned something new and, you know, introducing you, um, you know, especially your podcast. Um, this is just a whole new venture that you're not alone. There's resources out there. If you're open and willing, do it because, you know, you're trying to be your authentic self and that's stop people pleasing. That's the big thing I was trying to convince people that, your happiness comes first before anybody else's and then everything falls into place. But I mm. don't know if it's like society always keep teaching us that you have to please others in order for you to be happy. And yeah, you know, like it's the, interesting, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah. The, the whole mother syndrome. It's like, okay, I'm a mother, I'm a wife. I'm like, and then I'm like looking at, I'm like, okay, who are you as a person? It's like, what do you mean? I'm mother to so-and-so. And I'm like, no, you have your own name, your own individual life and character. 
what do you do, you know? Mm. And your own soul, even mm-hmm. beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> but it is tricky. I think, like you mentioned, you know, there's social conditioning in there. I actually just was speaking with one of my clients the other day and She's someone who's really committed to working on her boundaries and and changing where she is with her close relationships, you know, romantic relationships, family relationships, friend relationships, because she's done everything to please. She's seeked guidance. She's seeked approval. She's listened to everyone else's opinions instead of her own, and she's realized now it's to her detriment, and she doesn't want to do that anymore. But what's challenging is that she doesn't want to lose friends over it. Mm-hmm. And as I tried to gently share with her, you know, a real friendship, which is based on, you know, love and respect and truth, these kind of things, a, a real friend would actually support you in that. They wouldn't turn their back on you. And perhaps if they are someone who is going to walk away, they might not be the right kind of person you want in your life anymore. We can outgrow friendships, even if we've been really, you know, connected with someone for a decade or, you know, since we were in primary school, you know, or even a marriage. It doesn't really matter along the spectrum Things can shift and change if we don't grow together and accept each other and come from a place of love and kindness and compassion, non-judgment, humility, you know, just simple life, I guess, you know, ways of being really, even though that's also a Buddhist way of looking at things. It's just fundamental life connections. Oh, yeah. And I think the difficult part is if the immediate family member is toxic, like a parent or a sibling or even a grandparent, it's like just to be willing to accept that they need to go because they're not healthy for you. And that's, or you need uh, to go. Oh yeah, you need to go. But <laughs> it's uh, any which way you got to part ways. It, it's like it, it, no one's willing to change and you can't keep sacrificing yourself just to try to make it work. I understand family comes first, but there's times that you just got to say, peace out. Sorry, you're not good for me. I got to take care of me. You know? And sometimes that can be misconstrued as selfish, but mm-hmm. there are times also when if you do change the way you are in a relationship, maybe you just don't call as much or maybe you don't see them as much, however it is that you feel is right for you. But sometimes in you making that decision, in you making a break or a shift or a change, it actually can benefit them. They might realize their ways aren't actually the best way they can be. They might realize that actually they're not being the kind of friend or parent they want to be for you. You can allow them an opportunity as well, you know, as kind of like a domino effect from your decision. So it can also be a gift that you're giving them as much as it is to yourself, which is just another perspective of looking at things instead of feeling, you know, guilty or self-focused if you're the one who perhaps is changing the dynamic in a relationship that, as you said, could be toxic. Yeah, I know we've had our fair shares of um, severing ties with family members just due to the fact. But at the same time, we've also seen some... uh, unexpected change in in (laughs) Mm -hmm. family members and friends and not the reaction that we expected. So uh, my advice to people is is to try it. You know, if you're going to make a change in yourself for yourself, try it. You may lose people, but there's no guarantee. They may stick around. And for all you know, they may turn around and support you in a way you never realized. Mm. And if they go, I wouldn't even say it's a real loss if that's how it's meant to be. It just creates space for perhaps someone who's meant to be in your life. Now, we've, like, started listening to your podcast, and I know it's still kind of new as a baby because there's only, like, four episodes there. Yeah, last week. I know. It's uh, So how's that feeling? How's that going there? <laughs> 
it just felt like the right thing to do. It wasn't something that I necessarily planned by any means. I'm I'm normally the one in this position, you know, being interviewed on on shows and radio and things like that. But I just felt there was a space that I I could offer something in, and it feels right. I've had some beautiful feedback and. The main thing is that I get to be of service on a different platform, perhaps connecting with people, as you know, that you wouldn't normally connect with and to share the light in that way, to me, brings me joy. It just feels like the right thing to do. So I'm honoring that and we'll see where she goes. But yeah, Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse, it's literally been just over a week. So she's definitely a baby, definitely a baby, but she's doing her best, shining the light. Oh, yes, definitely. We, I love the whole boundaries talks. I'm like, that's always my big, like, preach, on, soapbox preach. I'm like, you got to respect your boundaries. You got to learn. And you do so many good tips and ideas on how people can see it in various different aspects. Because I guess we just kind of get, I don't know, pigeonholed. Well, there's mm. so much in the news lately about, you know, Harvey Weinstein and Hollywood and all this other stuff and sexual abuse. Boundaries are in it. Are, are, they're the next thing that's going to be coming in. They haven't actually said the word boundary, but really that's what it is. What is the boundary? What is the boundary at home? What is the boundary at work around people? And, and do you know, even know what your own boundaries are? Like yeah. when do you know people are violating you? Definitely. And it's, it's hard for many people to actually voice their boundaries because the, the body knows. It's like when we walk into a space and we feel uncomfortable. We just know. Or you walk into a space and you feel quite welcome. There's, there's an innate knowing within us. We can sense it you know, on an energetic level. But we're often so desensitized with being bombarded by so much going on in this crazy world we live in that we miss those signs. You know, we might miss the really subtle signs. We might even miss like the emotional signs and then it gets to a physical point and that's when it's really been, you know, blurred lines have come in or someone's really overstepped the mark with us and we can feel guilty or we can feel angry at ourselves because we didn't speak up or do something about it until it was too late. The signs were there. We just aren't kind of slowing down enough to tap into ourselves to honor our truth in the first place. And I mean, there's so many gray areas in this as well. If someone has suffered abuse previously, whether that's how they were raised, whether it was sexual, emotional, verbal abuse, in any way, there's a whole spectrum of that as well. It also affects their boundaries. So we often have to do a bit of healing work to be able to understand us as individuals and how we function, what our patterns and cycles are, how we are in general with just being able to say yes or no when we want to, even with someone we love and trust. That might be challenging. And if you're at that point, then there's big work to do. If it's someone who perhaps has hurt your feelings and you felt very uncomfortable and you're not used to those circumstances, well, it might be new to you. So you just have to learn for future reference. There's so many different ways to approach the concept of boundaries, but it's such an important, and as you mentioned, with what's going on now, especially sexual abuse coming to the fore, it is so important, I think, for us as adults and us who are you know, somewhat leading the way to instill this in those coming you know, up the ranks, whether they're pupils, clients, children, even if it's our friends, to be able to talk more and communicate. This is why, as we know, in relationships, and you both know this, being you know, together in a sacred union, communication is key. Communication with our loved ones, communication with the children, however it is, we need to talk more and we need to be able to hold each other in those spaces, not dismiss, not judge, but actually be able to hold a space for someone to be able to express what they're going through, what they've just experienced. We often don't have the skills. We're not trained in that. There's no sacred space holding 101 in school. You don't even learn that in – there should be. You know, most coaching practices, you know, don't really teach those things very well. 
and it's a big call, but it's true. I've been around a lot. I've seen a lot of things. I know how easy it can be to just get a piece of paper or those who actually work very hard and learn it themselves and embody it to be able to bring that to life every single day, how they show up personally and professionally, and this is it. So if you are someone who's understanding this, then help others. If you're someone that's struggling with this, find some resources, connect with someone you feel you can trust who can assist you in working through it because boundaries and those skills, it's a game changer. Understandable. Yeah. Um, so tell us the difference between like spiritual guidance and coaching. I know we were talking about a little bit before we got on air, but I just want our listeners to understand the difference. Yeah. So... Sacred guidance, as I've called it, is it's more like psychology for the soul. So instead of life coaching and goals and someone holding your hand and, and kind of keeping you accountable and assisting you, whether that's business or relationship or any of those kind of areas, this is more about you and your soul's unique journey. I want to assist people in clearing out what no longer serves them physically, as in the body, which, yeah, it can be looking at what you're eating, how you're acting physically, what you're doing with yourself on a daily basis emotionally what you've been holding on to that's no longer serving you there's often trauma there we all have something that we've held on to normally there's a lot of things to work through so we have to work through that part as well and then mentally the mind working through what's holding you back what really your belief patterns are as i mentioned before the cycles the patterns how you show up in life you know constantly that needs to be changed because if you keep showing up the exact same way you always have you're not evolving and in order for us to connect with soul, you know, people talk about like, you know, their soul connection, the spirit connection, in order to even get there, even like, I mean, a fingernail on that little baby, you need to be clean and pure and like the brightest channel and clearest version of you can be. So there's a lot of work to purify, as we call it, the three lower vehicles, which is your physical, your emotional and your mental, before we'd even start working on your spiritual practice and your connection there and your purpose and direction, how you're going to show up in the world. Most people struggle with this and they stay often in the physical body. The physical body deals with our animal nature, our primal nature, our sex nature. It's the I want this, I need that, I want the orgasm, the chocolate, I need those shoes. That kind of wanting, needing, hungry, looking outside ourselves, very external searching. Most people live in that space and that's how their life is governed. They'll see a commercial they're being sold to and they still buy into it. You know, it's starting to have boundaries, starting to have awareness, starting to make conscious choices that actually serve you that maybe you go, actually, you know what? I don't want to eat meat anymore. Actually, I don't want to buy a car and pollute the earth anymore. I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. Whatever it is that you feel is going to shift and suit you better. Now, they're just examples. I'm not telling you to do that. Just to get you thinking differently and finding out actually what serves your physical body for it to be at its optimum. Like, I need to exercise. I need to meditate. I need to eat right. All these kind of things. And just starting there might be the place for you. Some people who are more in the new age hippie la-la land, they're more fearless, <laughs> you know. They, they feel, they can sometimes feel the pain of the earth or the animals and they have deep emotions and they love talking about feelings. They could just sit for hours and tell you how they're going. <laughs> they might not even ask how you are in that time. <laughs> you know, they might be more connected to the heart. They might have, you know, deep pain that they haven't processed yet. They might have kind of circled around it or think they've cut the cords and done the forgiveness, but it's only a very surface level. 
we have to go kind of beyond that and understand what's going on with them in their heart space. The heart space also connects to emotions, as I said, but that connects to our astral. It's our energy. It's how we also radiate out and how we magnetize to us. So it's a real big part of us, that kind of energy side. And it's often very much influenced by lots of the new age books, incense and candles and bare feet and gypsy flowing clothes and free love and all this kind of thing. All that's aesthetic. It doesn't make you spiritual. It's not spiritual. It's just symbols of spirituality. So we've got to go beyond that to actually get to a point of ultimate heart, to pure love, to a place of, like I mentioned before, that unconditional non-judgment, loving kindness, humility for ourselves. Now, just ponder that. Like, could you imagine being absolutely non-judgmental of yourself entirely and then non-judgmental of others? When we start to think, like, darn right. So, I mean, that's just one teeny hair teased out of just one vehicle, just the heart emotional. So, imagine how many little hairs we have to tease out to get to on the physical, the emotional, before we even get to the mind, before we start getting to the spirit. And when this starts to line up, we start to be that, that clearer channel. And, you know, even what I'm talking about here is super surface level compared to the depths of what we need to do in, in a sacred guidance session. And obviously, you can't do it all in one session. So, some people are ready to be doing this, you know, coming see me every two or three weeks because they want to do the work and they keep doing the work and they keep coming back having done the work. Other people, they just want to come, get a feel for it, do a little bit, me give them some tools and some guidance and some techniques, perhaps a morning practice they can commit to and they'll go off. I might not see them again. I'll just see that I've subscribed and they start tuning into my work or they'll come back to me in six months and be like, I just had to sort this out. I had to go through this and now I'm ready. Everyone's different and, you know, part of a role of, someone like myself doing this kind of work is we have to meet people where they're at. Not everyone is going to be 100% committed. This is a lifestyle. Some people are going to come to me and they're kind of like the nine to five spiritual people. You know, they still want to party hard (laughs) on the weekend and they're just dipping their toe. You know, they're slowly coming across and that's okay. That's where they're at. We honor that. You know, that's super important for me as a practitioner to look after the people from where they are and to never, you know, do anything beyond suggesting. I like to offer a doorway and it's completely up to someone to make that commitment whether they're going to walk through or not. I'm not a handholder. I'm a light bearer, you know, shine that light in the darkness and whether they go through that point to light or stay in the darkness is up to them. When the right time comes, they'll do it. Might not be in this lifetime and that's totally okay. No, I totally agree because sometimes it's like, People don't understand if you hold a lot of your feelings and emotions, it does manifest into your physical body. And trying to figure out what needs to be fixed first, it's hard because we're we're focused on, well, this is the way we're taught that our body is broken, but not looking into the spiritual or emotion or trauma you know, to do that. I'm very happy that science is finally catching up with a lot of the, you know, emotional side and, you know, the spiritual side kind of manifesting that it is kind of legit science, that Mm. it it is hand in hand all together, the mind, body and spirit. And it's not just one or the other. And most definitely, you know, especially with uh, meditation, I, I know they did a news piece here in the United States on a school up in Baltimore that instead of punishing kids and like timeouts or you know detentions they actually put them in meditation for 20 to 30 minutes to help them calm down a lot of their aggressions and it has helped them tremendously with their studies and dealing with their you know 
home life because they came, you know, from the wrong side of the tracks there, and it's given them the stability, and they have increased their test studies and scores and self-esteem. So there is a lot of truth behind what you're saying. And that's beautiful. I love what you mentioned. And I've heard of this happening in a few different cities and a few different schools around the world now. And it's kind of like we're taking a loving approach because, you know, if we punish someone, it's coming from a place of, of supreme power. It's not coming from a place of I see you, I feel you, I know you're hurting. Whereas suggesting something like meditation or, okay, yes, it's kind of being governed, I suppose, like, no, you're going to meditate. It's still coming from a different place. And we're shifting our relationship and our connection with these children, which is exactly what they need, especially if perhaps they're not getting that love and understanding. Even if it's from a teacher, let's say, you know, professionally, I'm talking about here, you know, they're maybe not getting that at home. But someone like a teacher who ideally it's a safe space, but they're coming from a place of that loving kindness, let's call it, and compassion, it can change them. This could be changing children's lives. Imagine if the whole world started to meditate, you know. I mean, we are seeing these things coming into prisons as well. But this is kind of a shift that we need. It's a very gradual shift. But when that does start to take place globally on a mass level, we will shift because there'll be a collective consciousness shift. And this is what we need. It's starting to slightly happen, as we mentioned, you know, with things coming forward with sexual abuse now in the media and in Hollywood and these kind of places. It is shifting the the place of where women have been standing because it's enabling them to kind of step forward and step up and literally request equal pay and these kind of things which never would have happened before unless we opened up our eyes to what's going on so the more we open our eyes to see the disparity to see the lack of love and care to see the lack of equality the more we're going to want to take action and i feel now since we're stepping into you know a new era of sorts there's like a hunger within all of us fundamentally deep deep down even if some of us can't hear it or feel it or sense it or know it it's there We all want this because just because we're having the rise of the feminine does not mean it's the sinking of the men. It's the no, we're going together, right? We love men. You know, it's an embrace, however you identify, women, men, however. We love, you know, each other fundamentally because we are each other. We're all souls having this experience in these little, you know, meat sacks we call bodies. We're all here to learn in the school of life. Isn't it better to grow and evolve together and help each other rise than like, just, you know, climb on top of each other to try and get to the pinnacle. Pinnacle of what? So you've got a boat and, a, you know, a fast car and a house. We all know that does not bring happiness deep down, deep, deep down. Yeah, exactly. It does, money does not buy happiness. It, it's what you do with yourself. And, you know, in a lot of the most successful business people, if you read what they do for tips on how to be successful. Meditation's up there with um, exercising and eating right. Those are like the top three you always see in every successful business person, millionaire, billionaire, whoever it is. So, I mean, there's some truth to it. They have an understanding. Obviously, you know, they've been able to afford to buy the right people to support them, to give them this guidance. But you don't need to even be in that position to know that, you know, let's just say we only work on the physical what about your emotions? What if you're completely emotionally a wreck and you're completely scattered mentally, but you've got a great body? Well, we all know also that in death, the body's the first thing that decomposes. Mm-hmm. So just take a minute there to have a think about that. The body is the most you know, vulnerable part of our entire being. Yes, it needs to be looked after, but it is just the vehicle to house the rest of us, which is really far more important. We can't discard the body, but we can't give it our everything. We've got to be looking at these emotions and finding out where we're at, where our disbalances are. 
if we're being erratic and crazy, if we're being really withdrawn, depression, all these kind of things. There's a lot of also mental illnesses out there. There's a lot of issues with the mind that people aren't tapping into. Psychology is, you know, getting there. There's more things being revealed and studied and invested in all the time, which is wonderful. But we're very ignorant or naive if we think that only eating right and exercising is enough. We cannot discard our emotional body and our mental, our mind body. And that means, yeah, meditation because it brings in that harmony. It kind of harmonizes the mind and body in one and the heart in the middle. It brings that in as well. It's so it's so beautiful. And if you don't know how to meditate, then just you know finding a space where you can just sit and be and you feel safe, even if it's just five minutes you know, and to not be disturbed and to be comfortable enough to hold your position, like I said, for five minutes, you could just do some beautiful deep belly breathing, a beautiful big inhale and let your Buddha belly expand and then exhale and draw your belly button towards your spine, letting go of all that stagnant air. You might even notice, you know, your shoulders drop a little bit and they soften. You might notice that you're not holding your belly in and holding your bottom clenched and that, you know, you kind of start to soften physically as well as a little bit emotionally, that the mind slows down. Ideally, you do this without having your phone beside you and being distracted halfway through checking Instagram feeds. You know, boundaries. You've got to have boundaries for yourself, like honor those five minutes. But just starting there can be a beautiful baby step to getting onto the path of understanding how to calm the mind even if you don't get to a point of actual meditation yes sometimes i even tell people if it's like okay if you can't sit down go out for a walk or a run because that's the best way to really be quiet and still uh, but moving because some people are like i can't sit still i can't do that try that try moving there and then you work your way into being still because at that point you've learned to somewhat shut down your brain for at least a few minutes yeah. And sometimes it, when you're running or like say swimming, that kind of repetitive motion, sometimes you can even get into a zone there and mm-hmm. you can find some clarity. Other times people use it, you know, to kind of brainstorm and they seem to be going into crazy mode, thinking of all these different things, but the answer might come through that. So it just depends on how you get caught up. If you're able to switch off and go for that run or jog or walk, that's amazing. But if you're someone who's a real thinker and you're in your head a lot, it might be challenging for you. You might want to play some tranquil music while you're doing it, maybe instead. Well, I agree with you that there's been uh, a, a lot of changes and revolutions uh, going on, say, the last 10 years with people. Um, everything from a focus on health to women's rights. Um, we're seeing a lot in the United States now with gay and trans rights. I know that Australia was just in the news, what, last month? Uh, yeah, but, for marriage equality. Yes, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, we're also seeing, again, racial rights. Um, but people are becoming a lot more... Uh, comfortable with themselves because in all these rights they're achieving there they have to look in at themselves and kind of see who they are and it takes a lot to come out as gay or trans or all that or even for women to to go ahead and break that mold behind them and and, Mm. and and fight for their rights and it seems like we're becoming as a society less material centric and more i guess experience and 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 rights centric is a way to put it yeah Baby steps. I mean, imagine if that was like fully in place by now, I'd be celebrating. But you're right. There's definitely a shift. There's definitely a shift. And and I think as you kind of touched on, it's because we're starting to slowly awaken to who we really are. And first of all, it's going to start with labels like, no, I'm gay or I'm a black woman or whatever it is to acknowledge that and to find, you know, the beauty and the peace within ourselves in that 
and then to be able to communicate that. Often these things start with just labels, which in one guise is a shame that we still can't accept all these things, but in another way, at least we're making some kind of progress just to have that acknowledgement, to have that peace and ease because once there's more peace and ease and joy, we can start to soften within ourselves just like what meditation brings us. And we don't have to be fearful walking down the street because we're going to be accosted because of the color of our skin or our sexuality and these kind of things. This is, you know, as I touched on with that physical body, the primal nature, this is judgment that comes from that place. People can be, you know, supremacists who come from that place where they think they are better because of the color of their skin or something like that. No, it's completely irrelevant. It's just your skin. We need to understand First of all, it's going to be important to supersede the judgments and then we have to come to a realization where once we're elevated, I'm probably talking beyond our lifetime here, <laughs> that it's not even about True. bodies, it's about souls. And like I touched on before, you know, we're all really just souls trying to do our best in this human experience. So it's, it's kind of frustrating because I feel like so much is being a waste of time, yet at the same time, we can't force what needs to happen physically, let alone emotionally and mentally. It's a slow, slow process, but it's lovely to see there is some progress happening. Maybe it's going to be better for our great, 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 great grandchildren. Oh, I hope so. You know, let them be changed. But I could see between even millennials and Gen X is like how the shift is, the way they perceive things. I, I think. Well, I actually read a study. It was interesting. I was reading a business article on. Um, they were talking about buildings. And in the last 10, 15 years, they really stopped building in the United States office buildings. They're all condos now. And even now, even the smaller suburbs, we're seeing um, dwellings, residential dwellings, right above buildings, right above um, like storefronts and such. And it really is this shift that what this new generation, what the, the future is, is cherishing is... Not so much the big office, not so much, you know, I'm going to be this at work. It's, I want to work from home. I want to work mm -hmm. wherever I am. I want to enjoy myself. Work is not the focus of, the, you know, when I grow up, I want to be the astronaut. It's, well, I have to do something, but I want to enjoy life. Yes, I love that. That is so true. And I guess when I'm outside the world and I can nod my head in total agreement saying, I see that shift here as well. And I have seen that. And I've kind of spoken to some of my clients about that as well. And and my brother and sister who are of that era, you know, they're also wanting to be more entrepreneurial. And I have to understand, you know, within myself, I think I always craved that as well. Although I did dabble working in public relations and even being a foreign correspondent journalist, sometimes you're in an office and it's like this, this confining, this structure, this tradition, this almost being part of a machine and you feeling like a machine, it's not natural. We're not born to do that. And as we can see, you know, even with things like cryptocurrency coming into play, things like that are going to be changing the way we see possibilities in this world, how we can structure our lives so differently. I still believe to be of greater service, but to do it from a place of joy, not a place of, oh my gosh, I've got to get up, it's Monday morning and go slog it out. And I think when this shifts, it'll shift within ourselves, it'll shift in our relationships and I feel this is kind of like those baby steps that we talked about before that are also leading to consciousness, but more of a sacred connection within humanity as, as a one, a one soul. I see it, one love, whatever you want to call it. And I feel this marries in so beautifully with, you know, what we're all really hungry for. 
which is that deeper connection, not feeling like we're slaves to a machine, which doesn't have any purpose, which is actually, you know, cheating people out of their their livelihood or, you know, money or whatever or their it is. Life. Yeah. Because your whole life Most can go definitely. by and turn around and go, what, where, where, where to go, and what and do I have to show? Yeah, and thanks for playing. You've given us 40 years. Good luck with that. We've got the next generation coming up to take over. Probably yes. the next generation is going to be robots. This could be a good thing or not. But without getting too sidetracked, the main thing is I think, like you said, you know, we're waking up to how we want to live our life. We want deeper connection with ourselves in our relationships. We want to spend more time with our children. We want to do something we believe in. We want to be able to contribute. We want to be able to serve. We want to be able to create. And this is the interesting thing with the, kind of the shift of – the feminine stepping up, the feminine rising, as I kind of talked about in my last episode, is that now feminine, it's not just for women, it's for all of us. We all have a feminine aspect because we all have that create, like the kind of the creatrix within us. We want to create. We want to birth beauty into the world. You can't really do that if you're stuck in an office and then you come home and you're exhausted and you can barely put pizza in your mouth before you go to bed and then you repeat. There's no beauty in that. There's no truth or love or wisdom in that. And I think we're tired of being starved of what we're really here to be. Our relationships are suffering. Our health is suffering. Our emotional and our mental well-being is suffering. And a soul, what is that? We've sold it. We've prostituted our souls for a corporation so we can have a corner office and a name that, you know, apparently summarizes who we are, which it doesn't, as we know. No, I, I gave up that corporate dream a long time ago. And it, it was funny because when I was in my, you know, late 20s I had a manager tell me it's like nope I don't want to do anything I don't want the corporate corner office I just want to do my job enjoy my life and not take it home and I'm like you're crazy it's like you know you gotta go have the corporate dream and then when I got to her age I'm like she made sense you know it's not living for somebody else it's living for yourself and I think that's a concept not all of us understands and with the few that do they're just kind of like what are you talking about? You know, you got to do this. It it is a good shift that people are starting to live for their own happiness and their authentic self now versus living Mm. for others. Well, it's a a matter of understanding, and I've learned you can't force understanding. You can teach someone, you can show someone, but whether they understand it or not is their thing. Most definitely. We can't force anything. Not really, because then it's not authentic. You know, as we know, if you try and force something, it's it's either going to backfire or it's not ever going to be authentic, which means it will be void of heart. Ask Can't any parent, like it that. can backfire. Yes. <laughs> I but, kind of still feel like, you know, go, go. What, were you no, say? what I was going to say is um, I am definitely an advocate of mind and body balance, but Angelique is definitely the, the spiritual side of all I'm, this. I'm the woo-woo side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, you are. What beautiful harmonizers you are. We do. We balance each other off very well. But I do want to go ahead and have you explain what a tantra uh, tantra practitioner, and I'm going to say this again, Reiki master is. Yeah, absolutely. I know. We're running out of time. Let's get this happening. Okay. Um, I'll say about the Reiki first. It's probably a bit more simple, I guess, if we keep it simple. Cool. Reiki is, it's known as a spiritual medicine for all illnesses. So whether that's, you know, imbalances or it's prevention of something, it's detoxifying, it's purifying Reiki is ideal also, you know, for stress reduction to promote healing, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. Reiki is essentially like connecting to, you know, life force, whether you believe that's God or energy or the universe. And as a practitioner, that person is kind of like a channel, like, you know, a power cord. 
connecting from above to be able to bring that energy into you if if your body needs it and where your body needs it. Now, you know, it's it's very tricky. There's a lot of people out there practicing all different modalities and whether they call it hands-on healing or whatever, it's normally really a question of being able to radiate energy or to magnetize energy. And, you know, things like being aware of if someone, as an example, you know, had a tumor, we wouldn't normally place our hands directly on that space, although some people believe that's the answer. Often we need to sometimes heal around the space that's been affected to help that strengthen up before you actually go to that traumatic space. It's kind of similar to when you're dealing with someone in an emotional trauma, they might not need to go back and relive that trauma to talk about it and, and feel it again and, and go through that. They might just need to strengthen up areas around it and perhaps slowly we get to that trauma. So it's knowing also how to read your patient, how to read their energy, how to read what's going on with them psychologically to some level. Depending on how deep you want to go, I like to have a deeper understanding of my client. I like to be able to read them. And part of that is an intuitive hit where you can sense what's going on. I can sense if someone has digestive issues, if their mind's going crazy, as soon as they walk in the door, whether I give them you know, a, hello, a hug, hello, if they're comfortable with that, or I could shake their hand, or they could just walk through into my practice, I get a sense of where they're at before perhaps they've even given me a real explanation of what's going on with them. And then everything is fully clothed that I do and I lay my hands on the body, not touching breasts or genitals, but I could hover above if I felt there was, let's say, an issue with, you know, the, the womb space as an example or the ovaries or they might not even want their belly touched. So we'd just put hands above and it's just sending pure love and light and healing into those spaces for it to do what it needs to do. Often people feel quite relaxed after. They can cry. Some people, you know, different emotions can arise. I've only ever had one patient ever fall asleep on a table and she was frustrated at first because she felt she missed something. And I said, it's okay, you know, you can totally relax and let go. You don't need to be awake for anything. For some, I, I talk with them at the same time and they get to share with me what they're experiencing, what they're seeing, if we weave in other elements, other healing modalities. But Reiki on its own, you can absolutely fall asleep. You can totally snore your little heart out and just be in the moment and experience it and look at it as a rejuvenation or a healing, whatever feels right for you. But for me, I like to combine it, yeah, with the intuitive and kind of like a soul impulse. And this can also be done distant healing. You can do it for your pets. And to be honest... We all have an innate capacity to kind of be channels for, for energy. I mean, we are energy. Everything's energy. We know this. Thank you, science. So, you know, if your little one has an upset tummy and they come to you, sometimes just giving them a hug and wrapping your arms around them and that touch kind of a place of pure love, holding them for a little while, holding them if they fall asleep, that can be healing. You know, some people can look at that as a form of Reiki. It's an energy, you know, kind of flow on effect. But for me, I guess... Being a teacher of this and, and a master, I trained with a system created by someone called Makaya Osui. So it means my focus is to work as the channel for divine source and spirit to flow through me into the areas that someone is most requiring the healing energy. So that's, I guess, a short summary of what Reiki can be. No, that's interesting. Honestly, if, if you had asked me 10 years ago if energy, energy play and energy treatment existed, I would have given you a weird look. But I've had so many people... People that are as science-based as you can get come around and say, oh, no, 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 this stuff works, it's true. Yeah. And, well, yeah. energy is science. Energy is science. I mean, we study energy in some capacity. So how can this be different? We just struggle sometimes because we can't always see it or feel it or touch it. We want it to be tangible in the physical realm. But not everything lives in the physical realm. We know this. 
So it's just opening up our minds a little bit more sometimes. Cool. But Tantra, before we go, I guess that's going to be our last little topic. Yeah. <laughs> Tantra, as as I have been trained and as I study and, and devote my life to this, is essentially a weaving together of all that is to reach a point of oneness, a point of unity. And if you're someone who also practices the sexual side of this and you're not someone who's a monk or lives in a monastery <laughs> and you want to have intimate relations, then this includes a blending of sacred sexuality with spirituality. And whether you're on your own and this is a self-pleasuring or an intimate practice on your own, or whether you're with a beloved or whether you choose to have numerous partners, it is irrelevant. It's how you show up each time from that space. Tantra in the West has been extremely bastardized. It's been sold as pure sex. It's been sold as how to have the most amazing orgasm, ideally how to have 10 of them in a row because you can. It's how to have the most mind-blowing body experiences. Very body, very, very body. That's Western marketing. (laughs) Yes, and they have done, I mean, 10 points. I'm applauding from here. They've done a great job of that. Many people are making a lot of money out of it. Many people, therefore, have no idea what Tantra is, and they think it's just sex. Or they think it's the Kama Sutra, which is the sexual positions. The Kama Sutra isn't Tantra. It's not Tantric. The Kama Sutra clearly explains that it is designed purely for pleasure alone. That's it. It is just pleasure sit in this position with your beautiful Shakti, your goddess, on top of the Shiva, you know, the god, do this, hold this position, and, you know, sex will feel great. Amazing, beautiful, enjoy it. It's not Tantra. So if you want the Kama Sutra, look it up. It's not hard to find a sheet of giving you 101 different positions. Go for your life, explore that. Tantra is a way of life. It's how we show up. It's about a blending of the masculine and feminine, which I kind of touched on before. You know, the feminine is the creator. She's the water. She's flowing. She embodies being. Masculine is fiery. He, you know, is doing, striving, pushing forward, getting stuff done. We have both elements within us. You will know within yourself which one you are more of at certain times or which one you just are all the time nearly. We need to harmonize that within ourselves. When we harmonize the masculine and feminine energy within us, the day and night, the kind of summer and winter, we reach a point of what we call sacred union within. And it's from there that we're in a better position to be able to harmonize with our beloved, if we have one as an example, and come together in a complete sacred union. And what we're looking at here is a blending, as I touched on before with what I do with sacred guidance in the sense of clearing the physical, the emotional, the mental, when it comes to, let's say, making love in a tantric sense, and look at this with your two hands out in front of you, you're going to place the bottom of your palms together, like in a V shape. The palms are touching just at the base. This is like the genitals connecting. This is animal primal sex with no heart, no connection. Maybe you don't even know each other's names. This is where sometimes a lot of people stay. This can be the one night stumbling drunk sex, you know, not saying all one night stands are meaningless, but that's often where we're at. And a lot of the population stays there. They don't connect heart because perhaps they're too scared. There's trauma they haven't dealt with. They're, yeah, they're too afraid to connect with someone in case they're going to be hurt because the last person broke their heart. There's all different reasons why people don't want to have real intimacy, although they say they do. But if we put our whole palm together, keeping our fingers still apart, the whole palm together, we're bringing in some heart here. We're starting to to crave fully merging. And when we put the fingers together, let's say like in prayer hands or we've clapped our hands together, that's the bottom of, of the genitals, the physical, the heart, the emotions, and the mind, the mental has come together. We can then interlace our fingers like a clasp 
and we can reach a point of sacred union because we have unionized, like in yoga, to yoke. We've formed one with our beloved because we've met them on every level. We've met them physically, which means, yes, there can be pleasure. We've met them with the heart, which means there is love. We see them. We feel them. We connect with them. We're holding them. And the mind, because we have a one-pointed focus, which is what meditation actually is, esoteric meditation at least, holding a one-pointed focus, that one-pointed focus could be to come together as one, to feel what it feels like to breathe with that beloved, to have nothing else going on around us. There's no way you're watching sport at the same time for the record. Phones are not going off. Yes, there might be candles and, and you know things like that, aesthetics if you want to set a space. But essentially, you are so together in that place. Time is irrelevant. And this is why they say, you know, tantric sex can be so long. It's because time seems to kind of have its own way. Just like when you do something you love, you're like, oh, my gosh, it's already that time. Like, it's just flowing by. It can be like that. And obviously, there's so many layers and so many nuances to how to prolong this with breathing, with slowing down, with even stopping sometimes. And this can be, well, as an example, if it's a heterosexual couple, the man is inside the woman, you can completely stop and just be and not move. Just breathe. Like even smell the skin of your beloved. Kiss. Take a moment. And for the record, which doesn't also happen in the Western world, the man is to worship the woman. Because when the woman is completely saturated with love and feels so seen, so heard, so held, so connected with, she fully opens up like a flower that's totally unfurling. And it is then that the man can get deeper inside her, yes, physically, but emotionally and mentally and have an experience of beauty that he may have never seen before because of how the woman will be radiating, what she will be giving off, literally radiating that love energy, and he'll be able to magnetize that. So there's an amazing kind of energy wheel that we see, a dance, as we call it, between Shakti and Shiva, this giving and receiving. But yes, it often has to start with a man giving a lot to the woman before he gets, you know, what he is then ready to receive. So it's not a selfish thing. And if gentlemen think they're just going to come into this and, and have their needs met alone, then they're probably in the wrong arena. Wow, that was a great explanation. <laughs> It is. You haven't experienced Tantra, have you? No. No, I haven't. Yeah, because sometimes if you get the right teacher, it's very hot and passionate. But at the same time, if you have some baggage, it comes out and, oh boy, it's opening the floodgates there. Because we had one of our friends that I did attend the class with that she invited me to. And I was perfectly fine. I enjoyed it. I had an amazing time. But, oh, boy, the floodgates of daddy issues that came out during that session. I was like, whoa, 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 what happened here? I thought this was supposed to be totally, you know, in tune with yourself. But that's something to be aware of, that it will open the floodgates of past pain and trauma of your life. It can. And that's why it's so important to be with a practitioner who can hold that space. I don't do, I mean, anything for me is, there's no nudity. Everything is fully clothed. I don't even necessarily touch my client unless it's a hug, hello, or goodbye. That is it. I don't need to, to guide them through it, to talk about different things, whether I'm teaching them a breath or just to hold in a position. A lot of this isn't even sexual. It's what they have to learn to take it into a sexual space with their beloved. Mm -hmm. There is so much to understand beforehand of the science 
of body, of emotion, of mind that is integral in Tantra. And the challenging thing is it's not easy to find an authentic teacher either because a lot of the Tantric sutras haven't even been translated into English. So anyone who's out there calling themselves a guru or, you know, some kind of world-class leader, any of this is probably just doing some sneaky marketing and actually wouldn't have any connection to an authentic lineage and most likely hasn't, you know, don't understand Sanskrit or probably hasn't read, you know, much of what's really out there into Tantra. So be very cautious who you bear your soul to or what classes you sign up to because as you mentioned, Angelique, if something comes up for you, you could be left in uh, not necessarily a traumatic state but, you know, a really heightened emotional state that, might need care you might need aftercare Mm -hmm. this practitioner doesn't have any ability to do that for you you might have done more harm than good so just be cautious read into the person see if you resonate you know don't just go by a friend's opinion or you know maybe one little kind of ad you've seen on facebook do your research make sure you really resonate with the practitioner and that you're going to feel safe and and that you're going to feel comfortable to be able to talk to them about things and you know if there's nudity involved it's most likely not tantric it's most likely purely animal sexual if you want that that's okay but check with those kind of things you know into those kind of things before you sign up as well make sure you know your boundaries here we go full circle make sure you know your boundaries what you're willing to do and what you don't want to do and make sure that the practitioner you're wanting to see is in alignment with that super super important because we need to take care of each other not rip each other off or manipulate or put each other in positions where we feel vulnerable because that's not what it's about awesome Well, our time is up, but we learned quite a bit. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) I'm kind of dumbfounded right here um, at at everything you've done. I can send you guys some articles for the record if if you want to start practicing together. There's great ways to set up some sacred date nights, I like to call them. Uh, Definitely send that. And uh, how can our audience members find you and listen to your podcast, too? Sure. The best way to connect with me is on Stella Muse, and that's Stella with an A. If anything resonates and you feel that I might be someone who can guide you, because I do take clients all around the world, you can email me from my contact page, and the email is elise at stellamuse.com. And yeah, as you mentioned, if the podcast resonates, you can find me on Stitcher and iTunes and Spotify and all those great platforms, and the podcast is called Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse. Thank you both so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for your time. This this honestly has been... It's kind of going off a little topic of what we usually do, but we do try to cover, like I said, all aspects of human sexuality. And this yeah. definitely resonates in there in, in achieving not just good sex, but, but a good inner... I don't know, where, what, what would I even call that? Inner self. Inner self as well. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. And everything we covered, it might not be sexual per se, but... When everything we've talked about starts to happen, these shifts are taking place, you know, humanity starts shifting. We start just being more loving and compassionate, more joyful in how we are every day. Our sex lives, our ideally sacred sex lives, will benefit from that as well. So it is all interconnected, which, like I said, is Tantra. Everything is Tantra. We don't ignore the scary stuff and the dark stuff and the horror stuff and focus just on the pleasure. We take everything into account. So that, as far as I'm concerned, really has been a whole talk on Tantra in some ways. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, you can find me everywhere on Living a Sex Positive Life's uh, social media and webpage, 
we are going to be going to Toronto in 14 days. Woo! <laughs> We're excited because we have King Crate will be our sponsoring our trip. So if you see us around, let us know. We'll have plenty of swag from them. Well, we're going to Playground uh, Conference being held in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And except for the fact that they're expecting 20 degree weather, we plan on having a fun, warm, cozy, cozy time. I'm still freaking out over snow and cold. It's been 25 years. so But I'll, I'll be okay. But it'll be fun times. Well, uh, if you want to reach me, uh, I'm John C. Luna on Facebook and Twitter and FetLife. And now we have a Living a Sex Positive Life kick group. So we're trying to get some conversations over, get some uh, guest ideas, get some show ideas, and uh, go ahead and join up and say hi. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Good night.